And so this morning I was uh, reading in Matthew 7 and um, how in the Greek the language is very, um, you know, picturesque. And I, I just love how, um, you know, I was just reading on prayer and how important it is for us to pray. Um, you know, we... You know, we meet every weekend to pray, and um, I was just thinking on the importance of that and how it um, can really open up a lot. But um, Matthew 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, be being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to him that ask him? And, um, you know, just thinking, whatever our desires or needs are in this life, and, you know, what we pray for, um, that God is a Father who wants to give us things, you know, whether it's His will or not for us to be healed, or that we just continue to ask in prayer and not give up, you know, also with a good expectancy, you know, for His work to be done. And so that's what I was thinking on this morning, and just how the effects of prayer as well, although we might may not see something or see God working when we pray in the long term, you know, it's almost like a compound effect. The little prayers and the little decisions to pray in the background, God is doing something. Um, although we may not see it now, God, God is working. There's faith in Him, you know. Okay, along the along the same lines as that, um, if I consider, uh, God was just given Jadiel uh, through him to us. Again, in Acts six and verse four, that there are many things that we can get occupied with. A lot of our a lot of those things are are true responsibilities. They're things that we 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 truly have to do, but to try to do them without him can it can bring in all kinds of. Uh, frustration and irritation. That's why it says in Acts 6 and verse 4, because we've been taught this, God has been teaching all of us this, is that prayer always teaches dependence. It's constantly, it's what it is. It's dependent. So in Acts 6, 4, it says, there were many things for others to do in the occupation that God would have them to do. But then there were going to be others that he would minister the word through. Now, in some in some point, we all do. Like moms, they minister the word, the life of Christ, in and through them to the children in the home. And then the, the, the husband will have to go out and work. But even in that sense, in that particular place where he is, everything about that he calls us to is going to teach us to depend upon him for what only he can do in and through us. That's what he's teaching us. 
It, do, it doesn't matter. So every circumstance and every situation becomes a huge and incredible opportunity for Christ to glorify himself and thus to bless us and then through us to bless many. That's why in, in Proverbs 13 and verse 12, that's why when it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now we know for a fact that and then the rest of that verse says, but it doesn't say if, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. This all has to do with dependence, all has to do with a prayer life, and all has to do with the greatest opportunity. What is, the, what is our greatest opportunity? What is it? It's Christ being glorified in and through us, first and foremost, and then using what he's done in and through us and he can only do in us what he's already completed about us. That's what's important for us, uh, to rest in his love and to wait patiently. And that's a thing that's, again, going to teach dependence. And dependence always teaches humility. And humility brings us into a dependent state where his grace can work effectually in and through us. Because it's, it's his work. So, but again... Uh, you know, the hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. So hope deferred, it doesn't mean that God's not going to give us. God would only give us his best. He's already given us Christ. He's going to give us his very best. But he has to wait, in Isaiah 30, and verse 18, to be gracious until he's my delight. And when he is, in Psalm 37 and verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Now watch. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. Pro proper. So the only proper desire that there is is what Christ has done, who he is and what he's done, and what he desires to do in and through us. That's why every circumstance and every situation becomes the greatest opportunity. And that's why even time is so very important and, and, and so forth. But the hope there in Colossians 1 and verse 27, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God waits. He has to wait till he humbles us and brings us to a place where our desire is Christ himself. And when that happens, then Christ is glorified. And when he's glorified, we are absolutely blessed. There's no question about it. And that's why when I was looking at some of the verses today, and, and when I say that, for instance, I'll say like I'm studying, and when I study, all that's happening is God is counseling me. God the Holy Spirit is taking, taking the things of Christ. Now, the things of Christ, when it says that, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.10, the Holy Spirit, in and, and, and John 16, 13, and 14, the Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ. The things of Christ have to do with his person, the person of Christ, and what he's accomplished. Now that's power, and that power is the equal of our capacity. But still, we can't function in the power of our capacity without God, the Holy Spirit, who is the effectual power that makes that work in us. And he makes that work, work in us in a very, very, very beautiful way. So for that to happen, and this is what he was teaching Job through his whole trials. Again, just think, just think. The whole book of Job, everything that that guy went through was approximately nine months. Nine months. 
So when you think of it, you think of the pain and everything that a mom has to go through to have a child. But finally when it's born, isn't there great joy? And there's great joy in that, you know. And so for Job, the whole time, we know that, that, that God, God allowed Satan and he actually instigates, you know, the, he instigated that whole thing for Job. It wasn't, it, it, Satan didn't come into him and say, do you mind if I do this to Job? No, God said, have you considered my righteous servant? Righteous based upon, based upon what I have done in him. So he said, have you considered him? So he opens it up because, because the, God uses the enemy to bring us to a place in areas where we're just not, when we're not dependent. And that's what Job was. See, the, you know, the moment we forget God, our desires are completely wrong. He's no longer our delight. That's the way that happens. So, so finally, when we see this, we see the trial, the trials. In 1 Peter 1, 7, the trial of our faith is much more precious than gold. And there's a fire in it. Again, in Isaiah 24 and verse 15, it says, glorify you the Lord in the fires. And what the enemy means for evil to consume us, God means it for our good in Genesis 15 and verse 20, to bring out the purity. So in other words, so that we see things. We see Christ, his person, and the things that he's accomplished, but we see them in ourselves and ourselves not separate from them. You see, so he always does that. So, Job twenty-three and verse ten, the you know the the, the what he said, you know, I am in these trials, and though I go through the fire of the trial, I'll come forth as gold, and the gold there is the purity of who Christ is in His person and the work that He's accomplished in and through us. You see, that's what that is, and that happens. That happens because of redemption and redemption is silver it's very interesting when you get into the book of revelations and you see you'll see gold manifested all through heaven there's no silver there why because redemption has been accomplished it's done its work in us it's just the purity of who god is in us through christ by the power of the holy spirit so titus 1 and verse 15 says to the pure what all things are what Pure. That means we can even see evil the way God sees it and not still be affected by its negative effects. And this all has to do with proper desires and delighting ourselves in the Lord because after all, has he conquered evil? For us in him, he's done so. So Job 23 in verse 10, he goes through this trial and he's still passing through it. It hasn't done its work yet. We'll see this tomorrow. I have this whole thing that God just so incredibly uh, prepared uh, for tomorrow. But he really wanted this. This is what his thoughts were uh, for us this morning. And, and so Job went through this. Now he was realizing the truth. He was confessing it as far as he could. But was he experiencing it yet fully? No, no. But that's why he had to learn in Job 23 and verse 10. He had to learn like we do in Job 23 and verse 14. He performs the thing that he requires. 
Notice what it says. That's the place he has to bring us to. Because until we experience who he is and what he's already performed about us, then all our desires, are they, do they come from God's love? And any desire that doesn't come from God's love, that those desires, okay, they lead to fear. It's all they lead to. And so he had to learn that. And to learn that, to learn Job 23.10, to learn Job 23 and verse 14, he, he performs that he requires, and many such things are they. And that goes into Philippians 4 and verse 19. My God will supply all your need according to his limitless riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Then we can see in Philippians 4 and verse 13, in him, depending on him, and prayer teaches that, in him I can do all things. He strengthens me with the, with the strength that's in who he is and what he's accomplished. And so then he can say, and he had to learn this, and how do we learn Job 23.10, the trials, and the performance of what only he can do in 23.14? That's Job 23 and verse 16. The Almighty, what? Troubles me. To what? To make my heart, my mind, pliable, soft. To make my heart soft. And Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, a soft answer what does it do? What does a soft answer do? It turns away all wrath and strife. <laughs> then we see things purely. Then, and when we see them, the measure that we see them, <laughs> that's so cute. It, I can't help it. It's, it's adorable. She's cute. The way she's doing it. Anyway, you have to take that off, but I still think it's cute. But, we, but that's what Titus 1 and verse 15 is teaching us. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the unbelieving, to the wicked, to the unbeliever, and remember, we can function as an unbeliever even though in Christ are we. You know? Even their conscience is nothing is pure. Why? Because their conscience begins to be defiled experientially. Because our conscience in Christ, in Hebrews 10, 1 and 2, is already cleansed completely. And that's what prayer is constantly teaching us. It just teaches us constantly it's this purifying, purging of our conscience. Because as we close this morning, the thing is, is when we, when we consider the five parts of the soul, when we even think of the soul, God creating us and the self-consciousness is who he's, who he's made us to be. Not self of the flesh, but there's five parts to that soul. So whoever deserved to be created? No one. It's all what? Grace. Five is the number for grace. It is. That's the number for grace. It's five. And God made us by pure grace. So you have the mind. This is what the soul is made up of. The mind, the emotions, the will, self-consciousness, and a conscience. And when the will hasn't been submitted, the mind becomes active in its initiation, but it's not a right force. Okay? And if it's not, then I don't have good, good, good emotions or good affections, you see. So, again, the five parts of the soul, the mind and the emotions become affected because the will hasn't been submitted. Now I live in self-consciousness, and that's just dumped all into my conscience. And that's what defiles the conscience. You see, the enemy taking captive our will and causing us, here we are in Christ, but causing us, 
in, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 25, all of us that are in Christ, is God opposing us in any way? He would have to oppose his son who finished everything about us in John 19 and verse 30. And so the enemy, through capturing our will to keep our mind and emotions in bondage, to keeping us living in self-consciousness, always thinking that these things are happening towards me because God is against me, when the reality is those thoughts don't come from God. And those bad emotions don't come from God. They come from the enemy causing us to oppose ourselves and ignorantly blaming God. That's what they did in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, they began to, to, to blame God in, in, in areas. So we can see that clearly, that the Almighty, has to, the Almighty troubles me. Did, the, God, did, did God invite and initiate Satan to cause trouble to Job? Why? Because God was opposing him? No, he was for him, but had to bring him to a place where he would live in, self, in self-help and self-hope and make God his expectation. And that's what he had to do with him. So the Almighty troubles me to make my mind, because heart there is lab, it's my mind, to make me, the inner man, to be very soft so that the word can penetrate. So in Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. And that simply means those that he's humbled. So we see this whole process. And that process is brought out in Matthew, the sixth chapter, all the way through to the seventh chapter. So to understand fully, this is what Jodiah was sharing in Matthew 7, uh, 7 and down through, to understand that, we see that sixth chapter of Matthew. And we see the teaching in that. Again, we have to, gi- we have to give ourselves to prayer because in whatever God calls us to, as a mom, as a worker, as a dad, initiated, doesn't matter. Whatever he's called us to, we can be distracted. We can be distracted. And when we get distracted, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, look away from all that would distract unto Jesus. And what happens with those distractions is when they're not dealt with, they become these weights in Hebrews 12, 1. And then these weights, is, was our frame designed to bear them? No. There's only one burden bearer, Psalm 55, 22, and 1 Peter 5, 7, and that's Christ. He's the burden bearer. He knows our frame in Psalm 103 and verse 14. He knows that we're dust, and we can't bear these weights. And when we try to do so, what does it lead to? It leads to sin, and that trips us up. But thank God, no matter what, no matter what, God is for us. In Psalm 56 and verse 9, in Romans 8 and verse 31. God is for us, so then, does it even matter who is against us? Even when I act against myself, thinking that it's God opposing me, when the enemies convince me, okay, that God has done it, and he's using that for us to oppose ourselves and to resist what God has done in us. But thank God, once he's captured our will, once he has, through, through the preaching and teaching of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle and be apt to teach and, be, and to be very patient so that those, that, so finally that God can bring to light that it isn't God that's opposing them. It's the enemy has caused them to oppose themselves. 
And then the he captures the will when the enemy has captured it experientially. And then he sets us free. And then for freedom's sake, in Galatians 5.1, Christ has set us free. So then, what? So be free because that's who we are in Christ. Amen and amen. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for uh, a beautiful day yesterday, a beautiful day today. And that even when it's rainy and cloudy and snowy and cold, you're still the same. You're still the same. You do not change in Malachi 3, 6. Jesus Christ the same in Hebrews 13, 8. In our yesterdays, our present todays, and our future eternal glory, he's the same. And he never fails us nor forsakes us in Joshua 1, 5. We're so thankful for these truths, Lord. And, and thank you that we can be in a place uh, to receive them. And that proper place is a place of humility. We're not looking for self, help in ourselves or hope in ourselves or in anyone else, but in you. And when I function in who I am in Christ, and when we both do, then we have Christ to fellowship around and to give each other. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.